You are Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. In a minute, cuz, we live. We live. We're almost to the start of the regular season, Wednesday. Yes. The Hornets tip off against the Chicago Bulls. And the NBA season will finally be here in a weird, different Charlotte Hornets team than we're used to seeing. One that does not have Kimba Walker, but has a bunch of young players on it. In fact, they made a couple of roster moves just yesterday and have filled out the end of their roster. So we'll start off with updating you on that. Hornets open the regular season again in just a couple of days. And in preparing for it, Jalen McDaniels and Kayla Martin were given multi-year deals. Now, it's today... The deadline at 5 p.m. is when the NBA teams, the NBA franchises, have to turn in their roster. So McDaniels, Caleb Martin were given multi-year deals. Kobe Simmons was offered a two-way contract. He joins Robert Franks, who already has his two-way contract, and that puts the Hornets at the max of 15 contracted players and two two-way contracted players. So the roster's all set. At the end of the roster, Doug, we did get to, I'd got to go to Mitch Kupchak's press conference. We all got to hear some of the sound that just took place a couple of hours ago, started at 1130. So just got back there not too long ago. And uh, Mitch Kupchak, pretty honest in his press conference. I, I left that thinking he was pretty open and candid with some of his thoughts about this team and exactly what took place. Just to kind of inform everybody of how the last couple of additions to this roster were made and why they were made so you see that they signed Kayla Martin first to a two-way contract and then converted that into a multi-year deal same yeah, I was thing confused with about Jay- that why 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 did they do that same thing with Jalen McDaniel so Rod Boone actually tweeted this out a couple of days ago he says quote league source tells me this two-way move for Kayla Martin was a procedural one before Caleb lands on the Hornets' main roster. He was on an Exhibit 10 contract, so his deal had to be converted to a two-way contract first before they could then sign him to a multi-year deal. Doesn't make a whole lot of sense. And even in the press conference, Mitch Kupchak said he doesn't even understand all the rules, but he followed them, and they're trying to maximize as much of the benefits that come with some of these rules, like keeping some of the younger guys that they waived, They're going to try to keep those guys within their G League affiliate because they own the G League rights to even an Ahmed Hill who was released. Same with a Thomas Welsh, any of the players that they release. So that's some of the things that Mitch Kupchak brought up. Uh, He brought up a lot of why they did this at the back end of the roster because it is a little confusing. But that's the best explanation I have. That's the best explanation he has. Well, so the deadline is today, but they didn't They didn't have to fill out all 15 roster spots. They could have left one of those roster spots open for a possible veteran, and Kupchak alluded to that, that they decided mm-hmm. that leaving one of those roster spots, valuable roster spots, open, uh, that that wasn't as valuable to the team right now as securing the rights to Caleb Martin or Jalen McDaniels long-term to try to develop those players. So you could view that a couple of different ways, I think, Walker. You could say, well, they must really think that they've got something with Caleb Martin or Jalen McDaniels, or at least they've got the possibility of something with those players. Or you can look at it and say, the tank is fully engaged. They're filling the roster spots with young players, not leaving any possibility of adding a veteran to this team down the line. I mean, to me, this puts the full 
mm-hmm. USDA approved stamp on on the Hornets' direction moving forward, which is super young and super tank. It's the latter, Doug. It's him playing the lottery, hoping one of these guys that are going to be primarily G League players hits. They're all lottery tickets, and he's hoping that a couple of them, and he mentioned this. He he straight up told us this at the press conference. He said, I would keep 20 on the roster if the NBA allowed us to. This is what they're going to use the roster spots for. And he said, if one or two can become NBA players, then that would be nice for us. And they are absolutely taking a chance on a couple of lottery ticket lottery tickets, hoping they pan out. Well, because Walker, let's so let's think about this. Let's do a little thought experiment here. Let's talk about best case scenario for this Hornets team. Let's say Terry Rozier is actually able to get somewhere near Kimball Walker's offensive production level last season. And then let's say that Nick Batum actually plays up to the level of his contract and and is able to be sort of the second best starter on this basketball team and then let's say that a few of these young like pj uh washington puts in a rookie of the year type year and then miles bridges uh is is able to outperform his play last season and malik monk becomes a reliable uh, offensive punch off the bench let's say all those dominoes fall into place I mean, I would say that if that were to happen, and again, that's crazy, but if all of that were to happen, the Hornets would actually possibly contend for the seventh or eighth seed in the Eastern Conference, but they have given themselves no roster spots uh, in, in order to make a, a run at that. So they're almost they're almost just like betting against themselves, boxing themselves in and saying, all right, even if we accidentally end up uh, uh, being good and all the pieces fall into place. We're, we're not going to give ourselves any room to actually uh, contend for one of those playoff spots. And you know what? Fine, right? I mean, because this is the reason they decided to move on from that situation in the first place because they were tired of being one game away from making the playoffs. And even if all of that happens that you said, it doesn't mean that they are going to make the playoffs. Hell, we just said if Terry Rozier gets close to something like Kemba, even if you had Kimba, they didn't make the playoffs, right? right. Now, if everything right. else happens, it's eight to seven. So I'm cool with all that. Like incredible self-awareness, right? Not not incredible self-awareness. They're just being open about what they are. And yeah. I like that because it doesn't, it doesn't take a mastermind to dissect what this Hornets team is going to be, how good they are. I'd, this is fine. Play the lottery. That's what they're doing. And I'm fine with not keeping one of these open roster spots. Yeah, no, I, I like how you put it. It's a self. There, this is a team that is now self-aware of who it is. They, they, you know, they might not voice it. Although he did say, "Listen, we're not going to be players in the free agency market." And I interpreted him saying that not only for this year, but in in future nope. years as well. Like they are not as, as next year. He said yeah. next year when they have when they have more flexibility. He said he does not envision them being big players in free agency, which is good because that's that's a good comment. You should feel comforted if you're a Hornets fan by hearing that because you don't want to be one of these teams that, again, overpays in free agency, which they have been known to do. So you would hope that they wouldn't overpay for like a Jalen Brown is somebody that just comes to my mind because Jalen Brown turned down the $80 million contract, I believe, uh, two year. I think it was like something like four year. I forget what it was. It was like 20 million annually, though. I do know that. Jalen Brown turned that down, and he's probably going to get better money on the open market. And that would be a team like the Hornets would say, hey, we would like to take a chance on that guy. And I'm glad that 
a guy like Jalen Brown or just anybody that they would overpay for. It doesn't seem like Mitch Kupchak wants to go spend a whole lot of money in free agency. And that's a good thing. So I, I liked hearing that comment from him. And he, he said it before, but I liked hearing it again where a couple of you know months go by. And I mean, we heard that in the Rick Bennell feature with JB and Mitch Kupchak meeting with Rick. So I, I like that Mitch Kupchak told us all that. Yeah, but until then, you're going to, as a Hornets fan, I'm already feeling it. I, I'm having to endure these jokes about the Hornets on a national stage. Like any NBA podcast I listen to, if there is a Hornets mention, there is always some co-host <laughs> laughing in the background. And it's right. painful. Like it's painful. for, And it's, going, it's probably not going to get any less painful this season. Um, but that's that's sort of that they're they're making a little bit of a gamble now that the that the fan base can take that while they search for something in the draft and the current crop of young players that they have the seeds that they have planted in the ground. All right, we're gonna uh, I want to save some of the comments from Mitch Kupchak for the second segment. This is Locked On Hornets presented by the Locked On Podcast Network. It's your team every day. Local experts on the number one daily sports podcast network. I'm on Twitter at Walker Mail Doug at Doug Branson, LOH, and you can find the show handle at Locked on Hornets. Indochino is the world's largest made-to-measure menswear brand. Start your style upgrade now with $30 off your total purchase of $399 or more. At Indochino.com, you can enter Locked on at checkout for that discount again. Locked on, all one word, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N at checkout of Indochino.com. More Mitch Cup check here in just a moment. This is Locked on Hornets. And would, you, would, would I have liked to see a few more shards? Shards? No, I would not have. That's not a That's not It's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. Thanks for joining us once again on the Lockdown Hornets podcast, continuing to talk about Mitch Kupchak's presser today. I thought it was a good presser, and... Don't take that lightly when you're talking about Mitch Kupchak because he's put up some stinkers before <laughs> the introductory press conference. It will live in infamy. It, it is notorious of being like introductory press conferences are supposed to be the honeymoon stage for whoever is enduring them. It, it was not. It was weird. And don't take it lightly that Mitch Kupchak actually, I think, gave us some pretty reassuring things about this actually is headed towards a positive direction. Doesn't mean that it is, but he didn't say anything that left you feel like, I don't know about this cup check guy saying this particular thing. There wasn't any alarming comment. I, th I don't think that he said today. Did you catch anything, Doug? No, no, I didn't. I didn't hear anything. Uh, there were some funny moments. I mean, he's all, I think, you know, cup check's always good for, for a laugh. Uh, so I got <laughs> he's, he's the old guy. He's, he's, he's the, what? <laughs> what? Uh, yeah. What'd there, you say? Yeah, there was, huh? uh, there was this moment, uh, when, when asked about some of the young players, uh, and, and their <laughs> development, who they, they asked him who he thought would really, you know, jump out and make a leap of all the young players. And this is what he had to say. The one that everybody's focusing on right now, I think is PJ Washington. We've seen great progress, you know, especially at the end of the season, our preseason game with Malik. Malik had a great game. We're still hoping uh, and expecting at some point that he makes that jump. Miles has been pretty consistent, you know, with his development. Um, am I missing one of our younger players? Dwayne. Uh, Dwayne. Yeah, Dwayne's a good name. <laughs> it is. It's a great name, Mitch. Dwayne's it's a, a great fantastic name. name. By the way, if you didn't catch like that, that, there was somebody that gave him the the heads up on on the Dwayne. 
gave him, gave well, him, and, gave him a little and help. you hear right. You hear going into it, Mitch Kupchak asked the question, did I forget about any of our other young players? And he looks to Mike Cristaldi, who I just got promoted, and I forget what position he just got promoted, but congratulations, Mike. I forget what it is, but I'm sure you're doing great. Mike Cristaldi says, Dwayne. He goes, like, oh, yeah, Dwayne. <laughs> what a fantastic name that is. I love that. Like, yeah, I just, his, well, that's, a, that's, a, that's a good name. It is a good name. He just, no, listen, is. there's it, 15 players on this team. You can't. One uh-huh. can't expect him to remember all of them. He just signed two. He, he signed two more to the <laughs> the Greensboro Swarm. Well, it's just it's it's such a grandpa moment where it's like, no, grandpa Dwayne. Um, am I missing one of our younger players? Dwayne. Uh, Dwayne. Yeah, Dwayne's a good name. Dwayne's a fantastic name. I would say of Dwayne the play- grandpa. Since Kimball Walker left, I'd have to put Dwayne in the top three of names on this Charlotte Hornets franchise. It would it would go Miles, I, it would go Dwayne, it would go. I'm gonna throw in. I'll throw in PJ because uh, even though Nicola, because we always say Nick, and then some people say Nicholas, but it's actually Nicola Batum. That's a fun name, but um, probably not worth twenty plus million dollars. So I'm going to go Dwayne, I'm going to go PJ, I'm going to go Miles. Am I missing somebody? Am I missing a good name? I like a Marvin. There's not a whole lot of Marvins out there. I, I like Marvin's It's an old name. head name. He had to grow into that name a little bit. Devontae. He did. It fits better now. Devontae Graham, I like that name. That's a fun name. But Dwayne, I like that, Dwayne. That is a good name. It's, you know, and, and by the way, not, not the first Hornets GM to get mixed up on the Dwayne name. If you remember... In the uh, his introductory press conference, Rich Cho called him Dwayne Wade. I don't remember. I forgot all about that, but that's so. Why if you're bacon, you, you got to be like, come on. Yeah, come on, guys. Can one GM Monk, I, I like get my name right and remember my mm-hmm. name? Those are the. That's all I ask. Hundred mm-hmm. percent. I like Malik Monk. By the way, I'll throw him an honorable mention. Maybe not in the top three, but Malik Monk. That's a solid name. If he ever becomes really yeah, good, do it in the regular be, season. Then I'll give you top yeah, three name. Yeah. Sure. Sport that name in the regular season, then I'll give you some credit. All right, let's get to what Mitch Kupchak had to say on James Borrego. Rick Bennell asked this question about Borrego not necessarily measuring this team's success by wins or losses and whether Mitch Kupchak saw it the same way. Here's what Mitch had to say. At the beginning of the season last year, he took each loss really, really hard. Uh, Understandably so as his first year in the NBA. I think hopefully this year, you know, he'll be able to handle the losses a little bit better and maybe that's what he's talking to you about. And it's his job to, you know, in the confines of his office right after the game ends with his assistants, you know, to, you know, his mind will be racing about plays and players and timeouts and calls. And um, it's tense, but he's got to let that go. And then he has to go into the locker room and address the players, uh, whether it's a win or a loss. And of course, the losses are tougher to get through. He's got to address the players. He's got to look uh, energetic. He's got to look confident and he's got to get them ready for the next game. Uh, so so that's going to be, you know, his challenge this year. So what do you th- what do you think about that? I've got some thoughts. on. It. I thought that was one of the most interesting things. Because Mitch is is not someone that divulges a lot during these press conferences. You really have to kind of comb through things to uh, get him to kind of accidentally reveal something. But what do you, what do you think about that? I more than just James Borrego. I think it says more about first time head coaches in the first place, right? I, I don't know how much, I don't know how unique that specific quality and taking losses so hard is to James Borrego as a head coach, right? I mean, that's the way that these guys get here. They're all very competitive and Borrego 
taking these losses so hard. I think it's more of the way that Mitch Kupchak seems like a seasoned vet in this situation, right? Where, of course, we know what he did with the L.A. Lakers for so long. And this is someone that comes from a winning history, right? I mean, he didn't experience all the wins at the end of his tenure with L.A. But we know this is someone that had a it was just a seasoned vet in the NBA and here's James Brago who did experience a ton of winning with San Antonio now he's a first-time head coach and he takes every single loss so hard whereas I think you like that from Borrego you want to see that I think it speaks more to first-time NBA head coaches more than specifically this is unique to Borrego in the way that he feels after every single loss and I think Bitch Cup is like look he's got to forget all about that and you know this is such is the life of coaching in the NBA that's what I saw it as and it was interesting I, I liked hearing some of that insight from him but overall I thought it more so said some things about the first time head coach than it did specifically Borrego I'm gonna throw a modifier in there and say it says some things about a first time young head coach because so I, young is the modifier you throw in. Young is, is the modifier because I think there are some uh, older, uh, that co- makes sense. Older coaches that have, like Steve Clifford, for example, who were they were assistant lead assistants for a long time, had a lot of experience dealing with players and and maybe in in playoff situations and and have just had a lot of experience, and then they can come in you know, veteran guys and kind of hit the ground running. Whereas it seems like younger head coaches, sometimes uh, it can go well and sometimes it can go not so well. It's been, I mean, if you think about it, it's been kind of a weird off season for Borrego and, and kind of a rough week of stories. Cause you had, I mean, you've just had a lot of comments from Marvin Williams and they're not necessarily malicious comments. They're just honest comments about his performance last season and being able to connect with different players. You had the profile on Sunday, uh, from uh, Rick Bennell that outlined some of those struggles as a first-year head coach, and now you have um, now you have Cupcheck laying it out that he that he took losses too hard, and he mentions the thing about going into the locker room at a loss and really like having energy and inspiring the team, and he didn't necessarily say that Borrego didn't do that last year, but he made a point to mention that that's something that a coach has to do after a loss is go in and, and, and rally the team and communicate that uh, uh, com- communicate that to the team. And he also said, uh, Kupchak did during this press conference, that he's really looking uh, not so much at wins and losses, but at energy. Energy from the players, but also, again, he made a point to say energy from the coaching staff. And I don't know what, uh, they didn't really follow up with Kupchak on that. I don't know what he means by that. But Borrego is not someone that you see on the sidelines who's very vocal, who's very um, illustrative, you know, out, out there with his with how he feels about what's going on. He's very mild mannered, very even uh, even killed guy. Um, so you wonder if maybe they're looking for a little bit more of that, you know, rah rah kind of personality uh, during uh, during these games. Uh, so I I, th- I just think it's been. I, you're taking it all in. I just wonder if if the organization was really that pleased with Borrego's year one attempt, and if he, if they're evaluating him on the same level that they're evaluating all of these young players. I just I, I'm not as sure that they feel like Borrego is the person that's really going to uh, take this franchise into the future as I thought they were maybe last season. Yeah, maybe what is morphed into that answer is the way that they're going to evaluate Borrego more than the young players, because the question was not, I mean, I don't think now, look, I, 
maybe I'm misremembering the way that it was asked or posed to him, but it wasn't posed as how are you going to evaluate James Borrego? It was, how are you going to evaluate the team based on wins and losses? And then I guess that does fall down to the head coach where we blame head coaches for everything because it's easier to discuss one guy and share the blame with him more than it is, you know, and change the head coach than it is to change a ton of the players that are on the roster. And so it makes sense. Like I, I hear you on that. It makes sense that he, that you would throw the young modifier in there as well as Mitch Kupchak saying, I want to see more energy because he did repeat energy quite a bit. And James Borrego wanting to be the guy that is the next Brad Stevens, right? This next head coach that comes in and lights the league on fire. Now I will say this, you do have way different expectations heading into this season, right? Than you did last year. Last year, you wanted to make the playoffs. That was their goal and they failed. This year, the goal is not to make the playoffs. The goal is to complete those four pillars and to compete and whatever the hell the other ones are. So when you look at James Borrego coming into this year, I wonder if he takes, I wonder if he takes each loss as hard, right? Like that, that is a question I have though, because this year expectations are different. Like you have Kimball Walker, you're in the Eastern conference last year. You are supposed to make the playoffs and you failed. And you knew that you were failing when you were, you know, outside looking in for much of the regular season. I wonder if he takes each loss as hard this year, if he is self-aware about his roster and be like, man, go ahead and bring pop in with this roster. He ain't winning all that many more games than I am. So uh, here's the, the references that I made to Rick Bennell, his, his Sunday column, um, which I'll link in the show notes. You should definitely go check it out. Uh, but it starts like this. Was Charlotte Hornets coach James Borrego a pushover last season? No, but did he try too hard at times to placate players in his first season as an NBA coach? Yes, he did. This is a quote from Marvin Williams. I feel like JB probably too much to an extent last season tried to keep everybody happy, unquote. So again, I just think that there were some struggles that we uh, were not as aware of last season that are coming up now. Mm -hmm. And it's a big opportunity for James Borrego, just like it is a big opportunity for these young players to say, hey, I deserve to be a part of the future of whatever this Hornets team turns into uh, years down the line. Real quickly, I have one more soundbite that I thought was interesting uh, from this Cupshack press conference. He was he was super honest in this in this evaluation of this team. Uh, someone was asking him about minutes for young players versus veterans and, and how he thought this rotation should shake out. And uh, this was his comment on that. Yeah, I think you used the right word. It has to be balanced. Um, we don't have any all-stars on this team. Did he think about it? Did he not want to say it and then decided, oh, screw it. I'm going to just lay it out there. It's kind of what it pause. sounded like, right? Like he took a moment and he, he really was thinking about it. Like, should I say it? It's, it's, it's pretty honest. What I think it's pretty honest. Is it too honest? I'm not sure. Okay. I'll say we it. don't have any all-stars on this team. <laughs> Dwayne Bacon's like, come on. Okay, fine. I'm not an all-star. Just remember my name. Just, uh, just give me my name. That's all I want. But listen, he's, I mean, I would agree with that statement, Walker. Who would not? Who wouldn't? It's right? just. I mean, who, who is going to, who's going to lie to themselves and say that there's one? I'll say, I don't think Sam Hinkie was a great pitchman either for the process. So I don't know that it's required that a general manager be able to come out and sell the fan base. I don't think a large majority of the fan base is really paying attention to what Mitch Kupchak is saying. If Michael Jordan were to come out and give a press conference I think certainly you would have more of the fan base listening to what he had to say 
not sure everyone, you know, the hardcore fans that are listening to this podcast are going to be interested in it. But I don't think that your general manager needs to be your pitch man. Uh, but maybe maybe just a little less honesty than this. We don't have any all-stars on this team. <laughs> it's going to be a fun season. <laughs> 2019, 2020, Charlotte Hornets. We don't have any all-stars on this team. It's not going to be on the it's not going to be on any of the literature. That's the slogan. We have a Patreon page where you can support our podcasting efforts to get more Hornets content. Patreon.com slash LOH. For just a buck, you can help keep our hive alive. I like to think we have two all-stars in this podcast. Listen to them next as we talk about something Michael Jordan did in the community. A great thing uh, Michael Jordan did to just open something up. We'll talk about it next year on the uh, Locked On Hornets podcast on the Locked On Podcast Network. This is Locked On Hornets. Develop winning habits. You know what winning habits are? Scoring things in the box score. That's what winning habits are. You compete. Rebounds, when you, assists. Yeah, when you compete, points. you get rebounds. When you compete, you get assists. When you compete, you score points. It's not you about effort. The it's about competing. <laughs> hey, you want me back on the show, baby. I got baby. you, Doug. You want me back you, on the show. This is me. It's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. Walker, I think the thing that makes me laugh most about the All-Stars comment from Mitch Kupchak is it so resembles the, the current administration that we have here, the presidential administration that we have here in the United States, where sometimes this administration will just say the thing that we all know is true, but usually in politics, you just don't say it. You just don't come out and say, we don't have any All-Stars on this team. Like everybody knows that that's true. Every, you can you can objectively look at this roster and say there's not even a fringe all-star on this team. But so rarely do you have anyone uh, come out in the organization and say we don't have any all-stars on this team. <laughs> you like that? That's 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 the motto of this season. I have a feeling we're going to be playing that soundbite a lot. That's going to be a feature here. Where anytime we talk about just a brutal game, Mitch Kupchak, how would you evaluate this game? We don't have any all stars on this team. Now, he, what if right, what if we go. end up getting an all star on this team? That would be for what if Terry Rozier does turn in an all star affair? I'm not sure that you could give an all star bid to a team that doesn't win, you know, 30 games. But maybe you could. Um, but until then, maybe that Dwayne guy. Who, who's he? That that Dwayne guy that's on the roster. Great name. Um, Am I missing one of our younger players? Dwayne. Uh, Dwayne. Yeah, Dwayne's a good name. <laughs> that's no. That's way better. That's way better than anything else that he said yesterday. That's a good. Oh, Dwayne. That's a good name. Oh, my God. All right. Michael Jordan opened the Michael Jordan Family Medical Clinic to serve people who are uninsured and underinsured. Two years ago, Jordan made seven million uh, made a seven million dollar donation to Novant Health to build his facility on the west side of Charlotte and another yet to open facility. So, pretty cool thing that Michael Jordan did. He got emotional when speaking about this in front of everyone when this thing finally opened up. And I don't know if you see Michael Jordan get all that emotional about some of the charitable things, some of the charitable donations that he makes. This one seemed. He seemed to care about this one more so than others. And maybe that's not the right way to put it. But when you get emotional like that, like Michael Jordan did when he spoke about opening up this Novant healthcare facility, I, I thought 
I thought that was interesting to me, Doug. This is a guy that usually shies away from speaking on politics or anything like that within the community, and he'll throw some money at different charitable events or charitable foundations, if you will. But this seemed to really matter to him to open this up, and I thought that was pretty cool and different uh, to see from Michael Jordan. Yeah, giving charitable donations is not its not a thing to uh, shrug your shoulders at, uh, but at the same time, there's a difference between what Michael Jordan is doing here, where you're where you're opening a clinic that's going to, for generations, have an impact in a part of the Charlotte community. For those that are listening to the show that don't know the Charlotte community, like the west side of Charlotte needs help. It needs things like this to uh, help the community, uh, uh, you know, better themselves. Like you know, if if you don't have great health care, it, it's really difficult. Uh, to uh, maintain a living wage. And so this is something that's going to impact the community in a very, very, very tangible way. And, and I also, I think about the times that we've had uh, disasters here on the coast of, of North Carolina, natural disasters where uh, uh, right. Michael has stepped in uh, and, you know, he's from the Wilmington area and, and I, I forget which hurricane it was, but uh, the one that devastated Wilmington you know, the Charlotte Hornets, the organization, and Michael really stepped up uh, to deliver necessary supplies. So it, it, MJ is into doing very tangible things, as, as well as being philanthropic through the giving of money. I like that our owner is, it just kind of gets on the ground with some of these things and, and really helps the community out, both North Carolina and Charlotte. So two thumbs up for me on that one. <laughs> Not Spectrum that he needs Center. it, but two thumbs up for me. Mm-hmm. No, I'm sure he appreciates it. There you go, Michael. Spectrum Center teams up with Culture City to open up a sensory room for people with sensory sensitivities like those with certain types of autism as well. So there's another thing going on. I love this one. I love this one too, Walker. Are part of. I love this one too uh, because, yeah, I mean, it's something that I don't think a lot of people think about is um, uh, children or young adults or, or, or adults who uh, have autism uh, there are certain things in life that we enjoy and we take for granted, like going to a basketball game where there's loud noises, lots of lights going on that just aren't available to just uh, to, to people uh, that are that are, are uh, that have those uh, sensitivities. And for them to team up and do this, I think, is a very unique thing. I haven't heard anything like this in another NBA arena. So it's essentially a room that you can go and take a break from the game uh, and, and is calming colors on the walls and, and, and different things. Uh, that will would help someone um, dealing with that. So I think that's uh, really cool. Now I haven't I have another idea though because I think this is such a cool idea. I think they should expand this Walker and do a room for people with bad basketball sensitivities. Right. So you mm-hmm. yeah you, right. <laughs> you go into this room. So this is a, a for Hornet sensitivities. You go in there and it's just all along the walls. You have stuff from the the classic Hornets. So LJ. Uh, Alonzo, Muggsy's in there. Muggsy's in the room. They just hire him to be in the room and talk to you. And then all the TVs are playing uh, Hornets playoff games pre-Bobcat. So it's just on loop, Alonzo morning hitting the winning shot over the Boston Celtics to take them into the second round of the playoffs. And and Muggsy's there, and you guys can can have a beer. So I want that. I want the Hornets sensitivities room for this year. Um, because, listen, there's, you know, the, the cold hard fact is... We don't have any all-stars on this team. And it might be a long season. 
But it's no, going to be I fun. It's going to be fun, and I can't <laughs> wait to talk about it. I'm serious. I'm excited about this season. We're joking around. We're having a good time. But I really, I'm excited to see some of these young players uh, get into this thing. No, I am too. Like, I mean, it's it's going to be rough to see all of the losses, but it is nice. Like, Nada's made this point a lot on Twitter, and I totally buy into it. It will be nice to go into the season not having any expectations. That's right. It's a, when, let's get crazy, that, man. I can't get disappointed because I know, because I know they're not going to win. Now, I could get disappointed with some development or some of the players that aren't playing well. I certainly could get disappointed with Malik Monk continuing to let me down in my eternal faith that I have in him. But those are the only disappointments. It's not going to be hoping that they make the playoffs and winning and losing. I can leave all of that at the door. Like, that's fine. Don't need to bring that in with me. And that is going to be a positive thing for me. Thanks for listening. And remember, you can subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. Follow us on Twitter at Lockdown Hornets. We'll be back with you tomorrow.